Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. God's at work. We can go home now if we want to. That was a sovereign move of the Lord. I'm so thankful. See, we, we're in the midst of a series of messages, and the series is titled, Four People Every Person Needs. And two weeks ago, I told you that the person we need who we often don't recognize, don't make room for, is the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said, when I go to be with the Father, I'm going to send someone else, the Spirit of truth, and he'll lead you into all truth. And it's the person of the Holy Spirit. And we don't always understand how he works and how he moves, but we just experienced a time where we pray. We pray as leaders. We pray on Wednesdays when we plan this service out. We say, here's the plan, but Holy Spirit, we make it all subject to you. Come and have your way. If there's something that you want to do, if there's something that you put on our heart, we just want to be obedient. We want to move in the direction that you'd have for us. And, um, and I just believe that God is answering our prayer and that he's moving in hearts and in lives and praying that God brought breakthrough into somebody's life. And I'm thankful, and I hope you're thankful, church, that God changed somebody's life today as they came into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're in the midst of this series, and the first person I told you we need to know about, and this is about four providential, important, vital relationships that every person needs in their life. And the first person is the person of the Holy Spirit. And last week I gave you a, a, a preview of the second person, and it's Barnabas. We need a Barnabas in our life. And I told you that you'd have the opportunity to not just hear about one in Scripture, but hear from a Barnabas, a real-life person that God has used to play such an important role in so many's lives. And it was Hulda Bontane. Were you blessed last week by Hulda's ministry? Come on, can we celebrate what God did and spoke through her? I'm so appreciative. I, I want to tell you, in 92, I, I, I don't think I'll be up here still. And God has put a message in her heart and has sustained her in the ministry of um, the Mercy Ministries. Um, and it's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing. But I wanted to take a moment with you today to, uh, to dive back into God's word. And I know I began to just give you a preview into the second person, Barnabas. But I think it's so vitally important that you and I, we take a little bit of a deeper look here so we could truly understand um, who this person is that every person needs in their life. Because you and I, we all need a Barnabas in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, would you open with me? And I think it's a little dark. Can we bring up the lights just a little bit here? Um, I want you to open up your Bibles with me. We're going to um, honor your time, so don't worry. Um, you may have felt like we already had church, and we did. So I'm going to be brief uh, to walk you through this. But I do want us to take a look through God's Word, and I want to challenge you. Because I, I, I believe people left last service, and um, I, I pray that God will always bring a word in season. But a few times that so many people would walk up to me and say, Pastor, I really needed to hear that message. I'm, I've been desperate to have this kind of relationship in my life. And so um, I just pray that you'd lean in today. And uh, this is for every person in the room. And fathers, I've been praying for you, praying for us. Um, as well. I believe it's a word in season for you on Father's Day, but for every single one of us that God wants to bring um, this relationship into our lives. And so um, just lean in and listen to God's word today as we take a look and get to know Barnabas and what it means to be a Barnabas and to have a Barnabas in our lives. In Acts chapter 4, we're introduced to him. And uh, there's a man, and look in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, and it says this, that now Joseph, a Levite, Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, 
which when translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What's going on here in Acts chapter 4 is that there's revival breaking out in the early church. Um, We read a couple weeks ago about the day of Pentecost and what happened in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell and revival broke out. There was just hearts were made alive. People were coming to faith in Jesus by the thousands. And in Acts chapter 4, we see that there's a few things that pour out of a life when the Holy Spirit has been poured out onto a life and into a life. Is that what flows out of someone's life is this confidence that they didn't have before. It's this boldness. It's the the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. But there's also a supernatural generosity, this radical generosity that comes over the early church, the people of God. People start to do things that are strange even in that day. They began to sell their property and their possessions as they saw the church and the work that was happening and how lives were being changed and there were needs all around. They began to look outside of themselves. They weren't as attached to their possessions. And they said, you know what? We want to see God's will being accomplished in these hearts and lives. And so radical generosity begins to spring up in the early church. People sold their possessions. People sold houses. um, And they brought the funds and they just laid it at the feet of the disciples. And they said, we want this to be used to advance the kingdom, advance the church. And so um, that was happening. And one of those men was this man named Joseph. But when they looked at him, and just as we see in other parts of the Bible, they don't give him his name that's his given name. They give him a new name. And this new name is all about his personality and who he is and who he embodies. And they said, it's Joseph, but Joseph, his nickname is Barnabas. This is really Barnabas, the son of encouragement. We're going to learn more about what that means. See, we see that Barnabas is one of the first people that is a part of this early group of believers. He truly begins to experience what the church is all about. And I want you to know something today. That church isn't the pew. Come on, somebody knock on your pew right in front of you. That's not the church. Look down at the carpet. That's not the church. This isn't the church. This is, do you know where the church is? We are the church. Where the church is in a building. The church is in a place. The church is a people. A people saved and called by the grace of God, mobilized in the purpose of God, moving and living out the plan of God to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Wherever we gather, that's the church. So they didn't gather in a building. They didn't have a building. They didn't need a building. They had the power of the Holy Spirit working through them wherever they met. They recognized where two or more gathered, we're having church. We're gathering together. We're seeing God move. We're seeing God change lives. And so there was such an excitement gathering. Barnabas was all about that. I want to tell you that that's so important because I believe that we as a church today, we think of church as a place, not a people, right? We think of church as a building and a physical address, not a people that are chosen, saved, in a community of believers, and I said, well, yeah, I mean, we meet in church, we meet in, you know, schools and on Sunday where those churches are meeting in a school, and then it becomes a church. No, wherever they gather, whenever they gather, it doesn't have to be Sunday, this church. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. So important to be connected to the body of Christ. And when you say, well, I'm connected, I come to church every Sunday. It's so much more important to get more connected than this large group gathering. Because see, Bar- Barnabas, he, he was connected, but it was more intimate. It said that they met in each other's homes. And they broke bread. They committed themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. They shared needs with one another. They prayed for each other. They encouraged one another. He was a part of a life-giving community of believers. And I want to tell you that sometimes it's easy to sneak in and sneak out of church 
and we're not really involved in each other's lives at all outside of Sunday. And on Sunday, the only thing we're doing is when Pastor Rick forces us to shake hands, that's when we're having church, community, you know, truly breaking bread. That's not the fellowship. That's, we may not even, we're probably embarrassed by now. We're shaking someone's hand for the last year. We don't even know their name, really. Right? Come on, let's be honest. Can we be honest today in church? We know what this is about. That's the extent of it. But this wasn't what was going on here. I believe that although we're gathered and we, we have such big gatherings and we may feel so connected, I would actually make a case that we're more isolated than we really know. We're more isolated and cut off from each other than we'd ever imagine. And I think that there's a few reasons why. One of them is just what's developing in our culture and in our world around us. You would think back, um, and, and I, lo- I did this in first service and it was amazing. There's just been some changes in culture that have shifted to make us more isolated and less in community with each other. I want to ask this question among you. How many, by a show of hands right now, the home that you live in has a front porch that three to six people can sit on? Right now, let me see hands. Show hands. Three to six people could sit on there in some chairs on a front porch. Now, put your hands down. How many of you do not have a front porch like that, the three to six people? Let me see your hands. You don't have a front porch like that. If you were to think 50 years ago, the number would be way different. There were more porches. There was more gathering there. That was called a third space. It was a place of getting together, connecting. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You grew up that way. Others of you, you didn't need a porch because your mom would buy some Entenmann's or some kind of cake or some kind of pie, and it was just sitting there on the shelf, and you'd go to eat some, and she'd smack your hand and say, who's that for? Company. Who's coming over? I don't know yet. What do you mean? And then you'd see how it worked. The neighbor would stop by, hey, I just wanted to check on X, Y, and Z. Oh, come on in. They'd have some cake. They'd sit down. They'd eat. You know what I'm talking about. Your door was open. People were welcomed into your house. I, I remember this growing up with my mom. Um, everyone was welcomed into our house. And it would always be at the worst time. We'd be eating my favorite meal. And then someone would knock on the door. Come on in. Have dinner with us. I'm like, there's not enough for all four of us. You know, come on. Like, I, I tried to kick one of my friends out one time. It's a funny story. I have to tell it to you some other time. I got in trouble for that. So we're eating my favorite meal. And I'm like, you're not coming in and stealing half my food. Get out of here. Um, but now what happens when someone knocks on the door? You hide behind your couch. you like afraid to answer the door. You're like, oh, my goodness, what is someone doing? Like it just, just shifted so much, right? But we'd say, no, I'm so connected. I have so many friends. I have like a 1,000 friends on Facebook. I mean, I have so many relationships. What I would say about our relationships now is that they're miles, thousands of miles wide and inches deep. They're just so, they're inches deep. And here's how I know that, is that you get to know what so many people are doing in this world, in your, in your circles, and so many people get to know what you're doing, but you don't have friendships that are probably deep enough that if someone saw something questionable, or if you saw something questionable, that you actually have the ability to speak into them, to call them out and say, hey, I saw something, and I need to just check you on that. I need to talk to you about that. I need to encourage you. Hey, is that, is that who God's called you to be? Or challenge them in their relationship with God. Challenge them in something. You know, you know that if you did that, you would have less friends. They would start to go down, down, down. So you just know it by that. I mean, if there are things that you're seeing or you're experiencing, you're starting to cringe. And, oh, like, well, why they say that? Or what? You, you know, but you don't feel like you have any permission to speak into any of that. Or even, then, then really, what level is that friendship at, right? So it's like we all get are getting glimpses of each other's lives that are often, you know, facades, right? They're often a best representation of us on our best day. But the relationships aren't very deep. Maybe not as deep as they used to be. 
And if we were honest, we may not have that many relationships in our life where people can really speak to us heart to heart. They can really ask us how you're doing and mean it. And you can really tell them how you're doing and mean it. And you'll still be friends at the end. And so this is, what, this is what happens, and this is what the problem is. I believe that we're more isolated than we've been ever before. I believe that we're more cut off from each other. I believe that there isn't deepness, the, the deepening of relationship as there once was. And, and not even as there once was in America or in our culture, in your past. Don't think about that, but I'm talking about biblical community, that if we don't have that, we're missing something about church. We have a building, and we have a campus, but we don't have church the way God wants us to have church, if we don't have relationships that are part of the community of Christ. Are you with me, church? I'm trying to go quick now. This is what we need. This is what we're missing. This is what I think we're lacking. And I think if we're lacking it, there's something that's being stunted in our growth. We're not developing and maturing in the way God wants us to. And that's why God sends Barnabases into people's lives. God puts people that love God, that love the church, that are a part of the body of Christ, And he, by the Holy Spirit's prompting, I believe, taps them on the shoulder or on the heart, and he brings them into people's lives at pivotal moments that could be life-changing for them. And this is what happens. Because there's a man that I I want us to take a quick look at. Turn with me in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we come across a man named Saul. He gets pretty famous in in a few chapters after this um, and for the rest of the Bible. His name gets changed to Paul, the Apostle Paul. He goes on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. But his origin story, the way he came onto the scene, was so different than we would have ever imagined, if you don't know the story already. He was someone that was persecuting Christians. He was a Jewish man that was, like, so full of zeal. He was so passionate about his cause. And he saw Christianity in Jesus as the enemy and as something that needed to be snuffed out. He didn't believe. He believed Jesus was a false Messiah, a false prophet. He thought everyone that followed him was dangerous and they needed to be dealt with, imprisoned, or even put to death. He's standing there holding jackets in Acts chapter 8 as Stephen, one of the followers of Jesus, is being stoned to death. They said Saul's standing there holding the jackets of the men who are stoning him to death. This is how close he is to all of this. By chapter 9, he's walking towards Damascus and he's looking um, for Christians that he can round up and imprison And the Bible says he's breathing out murderous threats through them and to them and about them. But aren't you so thankful that it doesn't matter what road you're on, the road to Damascus or any other road, it doesn't matter what is in your heart and what's going on inside of your life. It could be a complete mess spiraling out of control, but you are one encounter with Jesus away from complete life transformation. You're one encounter with the risen Jesus away from your life being completely changed. Paul is the great example of that. A man named Saul of Tarsus turns into the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He's thrown off his horse. Jesus speaks to him, reveals himself to him. And once he knows that it's Jesus, he does a 180. And he is so passionate. He's telling everyone he can about the Lord. And this is where he picked up in Acts chapter 9. This is a turning point moment in the Apostle Paul's life. This is a crossroads that he reaches. And I don't know where we'd be without this moment in time. So just check out what happens here. It says that this, that Saul spent several days, starting in verse 19, with the disciples of Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues. This is right after Jesus reveals himself to him. And he preached in the synagogues, 
that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished. They asked the question, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on the name of Jesus? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful, and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving, the Bible says, that Jesus is the Messiah. He spoke so passionately that people came to Christ. It says, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, to take his life. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch over the city gates so they could kill him. So they were watching. They said, we're going to catch him on his way out, and then we're going to kill him. But his followers took him by night, and they lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Think about this guy who was riding high. I mean, he had all the respect and reputation And now he's trying to escape for his life, being lowered through a basket. And you know what did all this for him? Deciding to follow Jesus. We have been sold uh, a strange bill of goods because some of us have heard this promise. Hey, just come to Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. Just come to Jesus and your life's going to get great. I I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't feel very compatible with the scriptures that we read. It isn't always that the the quality of our life is going to radically change. There will never be a storm that comes. There's just a difference. We have an anchor now for our soul. We have someone who goes before us. We have a shepherd that walks us through the valley. It's not the, the storm. It's the foundation we now have in Christ, that he's with us, that we can weather every storm. So it doesn't always mean everything's going to get easier, but it means that we can now overcome anything because he's with us. And so this is what happens. Life gets difficult for Paul. And I can imagine he's in a vulnerable place. I could imagine what it would feel like that your life is about to be taken from you and you have to be lowered out. I mean, for you, maybe it's not been this extreme, but you've been faced with circumstances that have caused you maybe to question everything about what you're doing in your life. Maybe it caused you to question your marriage. Maybe it caused you to question your faith. It has caused you to question the course that you've taken in your life and the, the choices that you've made, that you found yourself in a place where you've just been filled with disappointment, wondering, God, where are you in the midst of all this? And I don't know if Saul Saul got to this point in time, but I could understand if he did because of what he was being faced with. He said yes to Jesus, and now he's suffering incredibly. He's threatened to be killed. And I wish I could tell you that in the next few moments it's going to get a lot better, but it, it even gets a little worse and more discouraging. Look what happens immediately after that. It says he comes to Jerusalem, and he tries to join the disciples. But verse 26 says, But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. So now he's done all this. He's risked his life. He's been bold. He comes to the people that were closest to Jesus. And they said, hold on. They hold him at arm's distance. They said, we don't really know if you're the real deal, man. Pardon us for not accepting you quickly. You, you were there when Stephen was stoned to death. I, can, I mean, I could understand why they wouldn't receive him so quickly and so open with open arms. And so they're, they're skeptical. They're looking at his past. There are times where you may feel that who you were disqualifies you, holds you back. You may feel that there's something there. And there may even be a group of voices around you that you would expect otherwise. And all you're getting is resistance. And it's in those moments you can feel like when every door is closing, you may just want to walk away from it all, right? You might say, okay, (laughs) I tried. I tried. I tried to do this thing. I tried to follow God. I tried. I tried but no one's really kind of receiving me. Things aren't seeming to open up. Things aren't seeming to change. Maybe I just throw in the towel. Maybe I just go in another direction. I don't know what could be going through the mind of someone. I've seen many that have hit those obstacles. They've abandoned the faith. They've abandoned um, the calling to ministry. They've abandoned many things through this. 
But I'm so thankful that when everyone else held him at an arm's distance, look what happens in verse 27. It says, but Barnabas. We all need a but Barnabas moment in our lives every now and again. In some translations, it says, took him by the arm. In mine, it says, took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them, Barnabas did, how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, how the Lord had spoken to him, how in Damascus he preached fearlessly of the name of Jesus. And so Saul then stayed with them. See, remained with them. They accepted him. And he moved freely around Jerusalem, speaking boldly for the name of the Lord. When everyone else held at an arm distance, when it seemed like every other door was closing, when it seemed like there wasn't someone that was willing to stand with him, but Barnabas showed up and took him by the arm, said, come on, here it is, and walked him towards the path and the plan that God had for him. Here's what I know in my life. There have been a few moments in time where I didn't know where to, what to do, where to turn, which way to go, and I was, I was very mixed up. I'm like, which way do I go? What do I do? What's the right direction for me? There are times when you can feel distraught and like you maybe want to give up. But I believe that it's in those moments that God will send a Barnabas, that God will send somebody. It will be a providential relationship into your life. And it'll be in this moment where they're speaking, but it's not them speaking, it's the Holy Spirit, the first person every person needs to know, speaking through Barnabas, saying, no, here it is, take this road. Barnabas took Paul brought him to the disciples and stood with him and encouraged and exhorted and helped him to take that step in his journey. And you know what happened because of that? We now have, so, we have a record of someone who has done amazing things for the glory of God, who went on missionary journey after missionary journey, who went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament scriptures that we have. Where would we be without a Barnabas showing up at this moment in time? Where would you be? without a Barnabas showing up at one of those key moments. Maybe you'll reach a crossroads and you don't know which way to turn. You're discouraged. But I believe God will raise up somebody and, 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 and he's faithful to do it that will come and speak into your life at that very moment to just help nudge you in the right direction. And it's not because they know everything. It's because they're being obedient to the Lord in that very moment. I know in my life, I've had people that have shown up in my life at a key time. And God has just used them in that very way. I know for my wife and I, we have sat with people, some that have questioned their calling to ministry, some that have questioned um, serious things that have gone on in their life. And, and we've sat with them and we've just nudged them in a direction, not that we knew what was best, but we just sensed the Holy Spirit was leading. And we've seen years later how God is pouring into their lives. It's amazing. And in that moment, I said, that was us just being a Barnabas. That was us just being a son of encouragement, a daughter of encouragement, just, just being used by the Lord to help in any way we can not taking the glory for ourselves or for anyone, but it's just being used by God at a key moment in someone's life. We need these kind of relationships, church. We need someone that's willing to stand with us. We need somebody at times that's willing to stand against us, <laughs> that's willing to say and call us and say, you know what? What you're doing and where you're going, it's not good. It's not for your benefit. It's not going to lead you into what God has for you. And I want to tell you that I believe that we don't have enough of those relationships in our lives. I believe for some of you, you have people in your life that you would say, this is probably the closest relationship. You would call it a relationship that provides some level of accountability, but maybe it's someone that's really not telling you the truth. They're not willing to go there. They're not willing to offend you. They're not willing to hurt your feelings. And because of that, you're not growing in the way God wants you to grow. And so you don't have that there. And for others, somebody looks at you and they, they would expect that you're that person for them 
But you know, in your heart of hearts, you don't want to hurt their feelings. You don't want to stand in a place so you kind of tell them what they want to hear. You're trying to kind of try to help them in that way. It's not helping. What we need in our lives, and this is a uh, an abbreviation that I got all the way back when I was in Bible school. We need some ISI relationships in our lives. Anyone know what that is? Where are we at? Yep, right there. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. One person sharpens another. But I want you to, t- to know that it doesn't get sharp without some level of friction some level of tension, right? There are going to be times. So for Barnabas, he stood there, and he's willing to stand the tension against the group because, you know what, he didn't see Paul's past. He saw Paul's potential. Barnabas is able to see the potential, not just the past. Some of us, we only want to look at the past. We only look at the bad. We only look at the former. But he sees the potential, and he's willing to stand there, and the tension of that is a sharpening moment. It sharpens. It does something. It produces something in that relationship. But then we can see the adverse, the other side of it. And we see this as well, that by the time we get to Acts chapter 15, we see now that Paul and Barnabas, they've been traveling together. God's using them. They're working shoulder to shoulder for the gospel. They're, they're in relationship with one another in an amazing way. God's blessing. And as they're traveling, they get to this fork in the road where there's some tension that mounts. And what happens is that Barnabas brought his cousin, John Mark, along with him. And John Mark, as he's traveling with them, as they're in the middle of their journey, he just kind of deserts them and leaves them. And, and we then get to learn that that kind of offends Paul a bit, where he's like, what are you doing? Like, you left us. You stranded us. You just kind of left. You bailed on us. And so here's what it says in Acts chapter 15, verse 37. It says, Barnabas wanted to take him. They're going on another journey. Wanted to take John Mark, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he deserted them in Pamphylia and he did not continue with them in the work. And it says in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company from each other, Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and left and commended the believers in the grace of the Lord. And he went throughout Syria and Sicilia. So the gospel and the work of God continued, but there's this tension point. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, there's a disagreement and conflict in the church. That's impossible. People, you, you know, that's not true. Um, but this is what happens right here. But you know what did I see it as? Iron sharpening iron. I see it as another point of tension. Where Barnabas is going to be Barnabas. He's going to stand. And here's what happened. Paul once appointed his past and said he left us last time. Barnabas looks and says, I see potential in John Mark. I see potential in him. And he needs to come with us and continue to be trained and continue to be sharpened. And the sharpness of that disagreement sent them in their different ways on different journeys. And because of that, um, we can see that. But what's amazing is that when you read through the rest of the New Testament, you see these moments where Paul's still affirming Barnabas. So it's not like there's all this bad blood, but this was definitely a point of disagreement. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come up at this time. But I think there's a redeeming moment that comes. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Here's what the Apostle Paul says when writing to Timothy. He said, only Luke is with me, but I want you to get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. As you go later on and you see whatever was produced through that journey that John Mark took with Barnabas, by the time we get to Timothy, towards the end of Paul's ministry, Paul says, I don't have anyone with me. If I could pick anyone, get Mark and bring him to me because he's helpful and useful. Do you know why? Because of Barnabas saw potential in him.
didn't leave him on the journey, but walked with him and stood with him, even when it was unpopular to Paul. Do you see? So we see a sharpening again. We see iron sharpening iron. We see this relationship where we have someone that shows up in somebody's life and they're there for their benefit, for their growth, to help them, to challenge them, to be someone that's going to encourage them to follow Christ. We learn the most about Barnabas when we look at Acts chapter 11, verses 25 and, uh, I'm sorry, 22 through 26. It says, the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. So they heard about believers in a place called Antioch. And the Bible says he sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he arrived, he witnessed the grace of God. Barnabas rejoiced and he began to encourage, because that's what he does. He encouraged them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord, because he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. This is where it gets amazing. Because he's doing this and seeing amazing things happen. But Barnabas realizes something. We're not meant to be in isolation. This isn't for me alone. It says he left for Tarsus and he looked for Saul. And then when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for the entire year, they met with the church. They built up the church. They helped edify the church. And it says that they taught them in considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. What's amazing about this is many people came to God. They gave their hearts to Jesus under Barnabas, but it was only through that relationship and through him bringing Saul and them coming together shoulder to shoulder, doing the work of God together, that the disciples begin to become formed. But when people looked at them, they first, the first time in the Bible, they're given the nickname Christian not because it was popular in the time, but because when people saw the byproduct of what was happening in that church, they said, little Christs. It was like a bunch of little Jesuses running around there. Oh, would it be said of us when someone used the term Christian? That's because we look so much like Jesus. Right? Come on. That we look so much like Jesus, not like anything else. But that was the byproduct of, I believe, a providential relationship that God formed through a Barnabas and a Saul. And look at what God did as a result of it. I want you to know that there is some incredible blessing. There's incredible growth. And it's waiting on the other side of a Barnabas relationship in your life. And today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge every person in this room because I I believe as I prayed about this, I said, Lord, what direction to take it? And here's the direction. Is that I believe God wants every one of us to see and be a Barnabas to see a Barnabas in our life and to be a Barnabas for somebody. I believe that that's a part of the calling. I believe it's twofold. I believe for many of you here, you don't currently have someone in your life that can speak to you, that can challenge you, that can stand with you, that can sharpen you, that could be present in your life in the way that you need to, to help you in your growth and encourage you in your growth. And for that, my prayer for you is that you're going to soon see a Barnabas, that God's going to send somebody into your life as you acknowledge your need for one. But also, I believe that God has called us as believers to operate and be a Barnabas from time to time. That we would come alongside of somebody. That we would be that for somebody. That we would be shoulder to shoulder with them. That we'd help to sharpen them and encourage them and be encouraged in the Lord as a result of it. That's why it's so important that we need a Barnabas in our lives. So here's the moment of challenge to you. I asked for the first service for people to respond to this. And I was so thankful that so many stood up around the room. And I'm going to ask you again right now. 
because I believe that there are many in the room and if we were really honest with ourselves, we'd say, Pastor, I don't have that kind of relationship in my life. I don't have a Barnabas. I maybe I've had one in the past and I have friends and I have people that encourage me, but I don't, as you've described and as I've read in the Word, I don't have somebody that I feel like can help me in that way and it can serve as a Barnabas to me, but I want one. I'm praying that God would send me one. I just would wonder if you would just be bold enough in this moment because I want to pray for you that if you know that you don't have but you desire to have a Barnabas in your life in that way that you would just stand to your feet right now that's you all around this room just stand right to your feet if that's you don't be afraid to acknowledge it at all there's no I don't care if you're a pastor a leader whoever you are don't don't let this moment pass you by just acknowledge your need say pastor I don't have one but I want a Barnabas like that in my life praise God thank you for standing I'm going to pray for you some of you, as you're sitting there, you, you may know that you have that kind of relationship in your life. Some of you may not, but you looked at somebody that just stood up and you know them. And I, I hope that you'll be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to you if you have a relationship with anyone that's standing here. Maybe you don't even yet, but God prompts your heart. Would you be willing, even by the end of today, to just go to them and say, hey, listen, let's exchange numbers. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let me encourage you. So I'm going to pray for you right now. And I want you just to extend hands towards those that are standing right now. And if you haven't stood and you know you need to be standing, just stand up. Don't, don't let this moment pass you by. Because I'm believing that God's going to work. And as you're willing to just open your life and say, Lord, send someone into my life like that. That would help me in my growth. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. Lord, you see every heart. You see every person that's reaching out to you. You see those that are even watching online, Lord God. And in this moment, Lord, they're reaching for you, Lord God. And they're reaching for somebody, Lord God, who you would send into their life that would help encourage them, Lord God, that would be an iron sharpening, iron relationship in their lives, Lord God. Lord, send a Barnabas, Lord God. Send someone to encourage and exhort and to challenge, Lord God, to help us walk towards all that you have for them, Lord God. So I pray, and I pray for those in the room, Lord God, that you're beginning to activate even today, Lord God, to be the answer to that very prayer, Lord God. Don't let the sun go down and then not respond, Lord God, to what your spirit is prompting in their hearts, Lord God. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask now, you remain standing if you're here. If you know that you need to be a Barnabas, you've just been sitting back, but you believe God's calling you to do this. You don't know who and how you're stepping out, but you believe God's putting that before you and you say, you know, I want to be a Barnabas. Everyone else can stay standing as already is. But if that's you, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray for you that maybe God's already starting to prompt you that you need to step out. You need, you're maturing in the faith and you got to pour yourself out. You're not just going to be poured into. Amen. Look at people standing up. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, that there are those that are standing, Lord God, recognizing that they would want to be that for somebody, Lord God. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to enlighten their minds, Lord God, that you'd begin to speak to their hearts, Lord God. You'd begin to challenge them. And even in this season, Lord God, that you would begin to reveal to them who you're calling them to come alongside of, Lord God, that they could be that encourager, that they could be that Barnabas, that they could be that one, Lord God, to stand with them and to help them be sharpened, Lord God. And we thank you that in the presence of these kinds of relationships that life change will take place. Lord God. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to every heart, Lord God? Would you make the right connections, Lord God? And I pray that those within this room, Lord God, those outside of this, those in our last service, those that are not yet a part of your body, Lord God, will be benefit from these kinds of life-giving relationships, Lord God, where we're growing and being challenged in the faith. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. And now we're all going to stand. So I got one final thing. We're doing okay, church. 
We're going to close in a word of prayer. I just believe that as we just have had a, a, a message on encouragement, I just believe we, we should encourage one another. So I want you to go to someone, guys with guys, girls with girls, might be someone you know well, might be someone you greet every week and you don't know them, know them. Um, apologize to them and ask them for their name and pray for them by name. Uh, but let's pray for each other and let's pray that God would send a Barnabas, that God would allow us to be a Barnabas to each other. And as the Lord leads you, just pray for somebody near you right now. And that's going to be the way that we close out our service all around here. Come on, just pray for someone next to you. Reach out to them and uh, let's just pray out our time together in God's presence. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.